The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Panther Nation. The C3 Podcast, brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. I had fun, man, just out, you know, you guys joking, you know, we working at the same time, you know, putting the work in as a team. Like I said, I'm just glad to be with the guys, you know. My favorite night of the week. We're going to go out there, and we're playing to win. We're not out here just to just show up. We're out here to win. I don't want guys that want because really, who does it? Nobody wants to play. Everybody wants to play. I want players to hate the world. This embodies everything that we are as a team, as an organization. You know, our motto is keep coming. That's what we do. You know what I'm saying? All right. Welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast. My name's Tony Dunn. I'm your host. We're here every Tuesday night chopping up the latest Panthers news and opinion from the fan perspective. I do it each and every week with my boy, my homeboy, producer of the show, Except for he got kicked off the job by Shindig tonight. Cody Lashney, how you doing, my man? We're icing up Shindig. I'm starting out with the ice up. Shindig, ice up. But, uh, yeah, yeah, man, it's Tuesday night. Everybody knows there's nothing I'd love to do more than kick it with my favorite chat room and my favorite Panthers fans. Tony Dunn, I'm ready to go. We have a fantastic guest tonight. I've had a change of heart. We've got some hot takes to cover. Man, I'm ready to go. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Let's roll. Tonight's show is Cody's Change of Heart Loves a New Draft Discussion. There is a lot to um, kind of tease out of that show title. Cody, who has been an adamant fan of drafting an offensive line, has changed gears in the first round. He has been convinced by Twitter uh, otherwise, on top of that, Kyle Love signs with the Panthers. That's where the love comes from it. And special tonight, as always, is, or actually until the end of the month, we will be draft nicking it. Draft, we're draft nicks. Instead of the beat nicks, we're draft nicks talking about the draft. But we've got, instead of us just uh, relying on Cody and you hearing me uh, moan about who cares, who cares about any of this until we get the picks in. We've got a special guest tonight, Jordan Reed at J Reed NFL. He's host of the Draft Board podcast, and 
a writer and I believe an editor for cover at cover one. Uh, you can follow that at, at cover underscore one underscore. He's going to come in here because, Cody, why is this such a uh, interesting guest tonight in preparing our discussion for the draft? Well, because the draft draws near, and Jordan Reed is someone that I respect a lot in the scouting community. He knows his stuff. He just recently uh, put together a over 200-page PDF file uh, breaking down a ton of prospects, man. Players that you've heard of and players that you've never heard of before. Um, every single player that has the potential to be drafted by the Carolina Panthers is on there. There is nothing that we'll be able to ask him that he should not know about these players. Um, and if you spend $10 and buy his draft guide, it goes towards a, a charity feeding the, uh, the, the homeless and people that have been affected by hurricanes in the Carolinas. So it goes towards a good cause as well. Uh, Jordan's a good friend of mine on Twitter, and we're going to have a lot of fun breaking down his knowledge of the draft. Yeah, so we've got a lot of insight tonight for you guys as we prepare for the draft, as we get ready for the Panthers, and there's a lot of rumors surrounding that. Uh, are they going to be at 16? Where are they going to go in the later rounds? You'll get the latest uh, discussion on that. Throughout the night, we go ahead and encourage you to subscribe to the show. The podcast is live on YouTube always. When Shindig's working, we're usually on some other visual platforms like Periscope and Facebook. But really the bread and butter, folks, because I know that there are a lot of great listeners. First of all, the people in the chat room are phenomenal. They're here each and every week. They're calling into the show. They're contributing to the show in the chat room. We thank them so much. But there's also this group of listeners out there who listen to the show in their car, in the gym, on their own, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever they get their podcasts. We appreciate them, and we encourage you to subscribe, leave a rating, share the show with a friend, drop a link to someone, because uh, what we're trying to do is grow Panther Nation, because it turns out, even though we have this strong community among our podcasts, we have to grow Panther Nation, because in comparison to some other football and teams that have been around for much longer, the, the broader reach of those sports bases shows in the podcasting world. And so what we're going to do is we're going to change that culture along uh, side and we're going to bring, we're going to ride the coattails of Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers to the top with our fandom. Let's go ahead and get into the show, Cody. Let's stop with the, the intro. I guess the news tonight uh, or the, I guess, the most important news of the week, like real news rather than speculation, Kyle Love returns to the Panthers on a one-year deal. Uh, a few weeks ago, it seemed like the Panthers and Kyle Love were not going to be able to reach terms and agreement. It seemed like he would not be returning. Maybe there wasn't a lot of interest out there for uh, Kyle Love, and maybe not necessarily interest, but maybe the price that people are willing to pay wasn't enough to lure him away from the Carolina Panthers. Kyle Love coming back, and I think as long as he doesn't show signs of aging remarkably quickly, he had a good, he's had a good couple of seasons with us, and he's been a contributor and a great rotational player. We could use his help right now. Yeah, and, you know, he's actually a fan favorite, man. I mean, I, I believe there's a bunch of people out there that would even dare to say, and I am one of them, that Kyle Love has been a bigger contributor than Don Tari Poe. 
granted, Don Tari Poe's only had one season with the Panthers, but Kyle Love has been there with the Super Bowl. He's, uh, when we went to the Super Bowl, he's always been a defensive tackle that we could rely on to get pressure and be a good change of pace when either Star Latule or Kerwin Short weren't on the field. Um, Kyle Love is a great football player, and we like having him around the locker room. And our good friend from the UK, Rich Kingston, absolutely loves him. And I do too. I think that he's a great football player. I think that he represents good depth for us at the position. And it's another thing that, um, you know, I'm going to lay into Marty Herney a little bit tonight. But on the level of Marty putting uh, players on the team that represent good depth so that we don't have to reach for a particular position in the draft, I do feel he has done a good job of doing that. So I'm happy that we brought back Kyle Love, man. I believe that he is a – um, a healthy contributor to the football team. And um, I, I, I love the move. I love the fact that we re-signed Kyle Love. Oh, wow. His, his heart, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. And the distance in the last month has made our hearts grow fonder for Kyle Love. It makes you feel better, too, when it comes to Poe. And in that, at the end of the day, is that the performance of Don Terry Poe was by by most standards disappointing uh, for many, for most. And it's kind of hard to evaluate exactly what the defensive tackles were able to do last year, given some of the circumstances with just the pass rush in general. You saw, you know, KK Short wasn't as effective. Don Terry Poe, um, you know, isn't the disruptor maybe, you know. And I, it's interesting that people kept saying, hey, when it comes to Star Latulale, that's just not his game. He eats up blocks. He does all of these different things, but there was no uh, pass when it came to. We'd like to welcome Jordan Reed. You can follow him at J Reed NFL on Twitter. And he's the host of the Draft Board podcast. And Jordan, could you just tell us briefly about your role at Cover One as well? Yeah, so I'm just a basic draft analyst there, along with Christian Page and Russell Brown. Uh, Eric Turner is actually the owner of CoverOne.net, a company that he started a couple years ago that started out as a Buffalo Bills-centric type of website, but now it has transitioned to more of a draft-centric type of focus. And he brought me along back in January, and that's where I've been since that point. Fantastic. So, Cody, go ahead, Cody. You take over the mic because I know you've been anxious to pick Jordan's uh, brain in lieu of his uh, new draft guide. Yeah, so Jordan put out a draft guide um, on on Twitter, and um, and Jordan, I actually want you to talk about that a little bit because I know the the proceeds went to charity, and I want to uh, give you the platform to be able to talk about that. But uh, I know that you're a fellow fellow draft nerd like I am, and I say that with all due respect because I am <laughs> one of those I am one of those draft nerds, man. But um, uh, if you could talk a little bit about your guide and um, where the proceeds go and how they might be able to find that okay so first thing is first it is ten dollars and the proceeds actually go to a foundation called the raleigh rise against hunger which is located in raleigh north carolina which is the area that i lived in for about five years and it's a foundation that i have donated to going on two years now ever since i've been doing the draft guide so i'm big on community service and i'm also huge about the nfl draft so i wanted to combine the best of both worlds or the two I should say, and this was the best way to do that. Uh, with this guide, you're getting what's called prospect profile pages on over 235 guys 
Uh, it is 243 pages in total. So with that, I know there's a lot of fans that like to cram at the last minute because they've been procrastinating all year and they're not typical draft nerds like all of us. So that's what this guide is able to help them out with. But it makes you feel better about yourself, too, because you're donating to a great cause. But with this guide, uh, it was my pride and joy. And I think the difference between my guide and a lot of others that are out there, and I don't mean no disrespect because everybody puts a lot of effort into all of these guys, but with mine, I like to paint the picture of both sides of the player. And what I mean by that is you hear about all these accolades and what they have won and things of that nature. So you know who they are on the field. But with mine, I like to take the helmet off too. I want you to understand what they went through to get to this point, whether that's a guy like Christian Wilkins, who is a substitute teacher in the offseason. Just that shows you the type of character that these guys have. And another guy that I absolutely love is Dalton Reisner. Uh, from Kansas State. He actually has his own foundation to help needy others in need. So just you get to understand not just who these guys are on the field because we're able to see that on the TV on Saturdays or whenever their game days are, but off the field, that's just some things we don't really have access to. But with my guide, I'm able to shed light on some of the pathways and just some of the roads that these guys have had to travel to get to this point. That's awesome, Jordan. And like I said, I've, I've been combing through all your work Man, the, the the deal that the in depth um you know breakdowns that you do of these players, you have a ton of fantastic information in there. And I actually want to pick your brain about a few of these guys. Um we've been doing a segment here uh, called Better Know a Potential Panthers draft pick. And we've been going through different players and previewing players and showing them to our viewers. And tonight, the player that we were gonna preview and who I would normally be previewing is uh, Brian Burns, and that's the defensive end out of Florida State. You know, he's been kind of questioned for his lack of weight. He uh, weighed in at 249 pounds during the combine. But a lot of people have him as a potential even top 10 edge rusher. Um, and knowing that Carolina has the potential to be doing a lot more 3-4 fronts on their defense this year, I want to know from your perspective, do you think Brian Burns is uh, – a player that might be able to fit in here at Carolina? And do you think he'll last to the 16th pick? I think he will be there for them just because I think social media is kind of a bit higher on Brian Burns than what the typical NFL evaluators are. And I say that because there is a lack of weight with him, but he did check that box at the combine weighing in at 249 pounds, which was really good for him. But a lot of people were skeptical of that because they didn't think he would run at the combine but then he goes out and he runs well with the added weight that he was able to add prior to the combine so once again that's another box that he was able to check and then he performed very well in the on-field drills and if you go back and watch it I mean he was moving around and catching the ball like he was a tight end so that was really yeah. good to see from him and we know how well he is and how bendy he is off of the edge so he has the pass rushing portion down it's just the run defense portion that really is the biggest question with him, but if you're able to stand him up in more of that 3-4 outside linebacker type of mold, I think that would be better for him as opposed to a 4-3 guy where he has to put his, his hand in the dirt and really hold and set the edge. That's really not one of his strengths. So I think he will be a good fit in Carolina because I think they need a lot of help off of the edge now that Julius Peppers is gone, and they really haven't had that edge rusher that a lot of teams have feared in years past, ever since the glory days and when they went to the Super Bowl with you know, Julius Peppers and Mike Rucker and all those guys. So they haven't had that supreme threat off the edge, and they are desperately in need of that. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that we haven't had a supreme 
threat off the edge because really there's been a divide amongst Panther fans about what we do with the 16th pick. And it's only two positions you ever hear talked about. And that's edge rusher, of course, as you just mentioned. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other guys in play for that. We've talked about Cleland Farrell on this podcast before. Um, you, you know, we, even Montez Sweat, who now could potentially be a top 10 pick. But uh, another p- very popular position that I, up until very recently, have been pounding the table for is an offensive tackle. Um, knowing that Cam Newton has had a shoulder injury uh, the past, you know, two of the past three years, um, it, for a lot of people, even myself included, it does make sense to bolster that offensive line. If you were Carolina, knowing you know what they need, where do you feel is a bigger position of concern for them? Uh, drafting a new edge rusher or finding someone to protect Cam Newton in the long term? Well, I think they have some guys in place that can protect Cam Newton. I was kind of surprised to see them re-sign Darrell Williams, and I know he's—I know he suffered the injury last year, but right. he's probably going to be their right tackle next year. And I'm not sure what they're going to do with Taylor Moten, whether whether they're going to slide him inside or even try him out at left tackle. But I thought he played really well at right tackle last year. That's why I was really surprised to see them uh, not move on from Darrell Williams and bring him back on the one-year deal, but. Maybe they're going to try Moten at that left tackle spot and they are going to supply or look to replenish the need off of the edge. Or they might slide Moten inside, let's say, at left guard or something like that and then draft their left tackle, a guy like an Andre Dillard or somebody like that if he falls to 16. So they're going to have their options of what they want to do. But me personally, I'm going to protect my franchise player, and that's Cam Newton. And I know he's been banged up the past few years. I know his shoulder might be a – cause of concern but he still is your franchise centerpiece at this moment and I think that overrides probably an edge rusher because you brought in Bruce Irvin and I know he he shouldn't deter your plans at all from drafting the edge rusher but that shows that maybe they're gonna kind of use him as that depth piece off of the edge and maybe that may delay their decision to take an edge guy maybe not at 16 maybe they want to late wait a little bit longer maybe into day two or even day three before they address that. And I'm sure they'll address it before day three, but maybe they want to wait till day two to address that so they can get that left tackle. I want to ask this is that you were, you were talking about Brian Burns and saying how the social media may be higher on him than particularly NFL scouts are. And I feel that if you take in a guy like a Rashawn Gary, it also seems like social media is down on him or, than than NFL scouts are. So when you're looking at this and then you take, so you're looking at those defensive ends there, you're sitting at 16 and you're also looking at these offensive linemen. I want to read this quote to you from The Athletic and, and Joe Person who covers the team. And he says this, he said, ultimately I think Herney will decide there's more value in taking an explosive edge guy from a deep class at the position than drafting one of the top tackles, none of whom looks like a sure thing with I with any of these guys like a Burns or like we're talking about maybe Jonah Williams Jawan Taylor are are is it slightly fool's gold or is there any concern that they're just the best guys there at those positions or do you have any concern that they're going to become kind of surefire elite players at the next level I guess Well, that's a really good question because I think a lot of these guys, there's always going to be weaknesses and areas that you can pick holes in every guy. And I think the edge class far outweighs how good this offensive tackle class is at the top. 
Uh, and I say that because offensive line, there's always going to be a huge demand for it, but there's always going to be a shortage of supply as well. And that's what you see with this offensive tackle class. I think it's very top heavy and I don't think it's very good once it gets to day two and day three. So you're seeing guys like Jonah Williams, uh, Jawan Taylor and Andre Dillard to an extent. And we're not sure where they're going to go. I think all of those guys will end up going top 20. And then Rashawn Gary is another guy who has a lot of mixed opinions, but traits are always going to override production to NFL scouts. And that's why I think Rashawn Gary is still going to be a top 12 pick. And he has that five-star recruit tag with him, which is something some teams really value highly just because they feel like they have the secret recipe in order to get that talent out of them eventually. And I think that's what's going to happen with Rashawn Gary because guys of his size aren't supposed to move as well as he moves. And they're probably thinking that he just didn't have proper coaching and they didn't or he didn't have a physically demanding type of position coach when he was there. And maybe they're thinking that NFL coaching can get that out of him. So that's why I'm thinking that Rashawn Gary would still go top 12. It sounds like the meetings would be so is so important for some of those guys where you're trying to to tease that out of them. You know, one of the things I like about Gary is one of the things that um, you kind of pointed out maybe a flaw in Burns's game and and I look when I looked at and I and I am not a draft nerd I am a guy that like hey it's crazy that the whole world speculates and I I've done it we've had this podcast for six years we have we've done our share of speculation and I get on draft day and none of it turns out like one thing (laughs) turns out the way people forecasted it. So I get fatigued by all that guessing, but I, do you think Gary is, is solid, is solid against the run? I guess, because I just looked at his YouTube highlights. I'm not a Michigan fan necessarily, but from what I saw that he looked pretty good at setting the edge. Oh, he's a hell of a player and nobody's questioning how good he is. It's just a matter of his motor and why it just doesn't shows up consistently. That's the biggest thing with Rashawn Gary. Nobody's questioning how good he is or his ability or his traits are very evident of that. I mean, guys, I mean, he's 6'5", 260 pounds or 60 pounds plus, and he's running a 4'5", 4'6", That's phenomenal for a guy of his size and a defensive lineman in general. It's just a matter of him going hot and cold. That's the biggest thing. He really plays when he wants to play. That's the biggest thing out there about him. So maybe a demanding coach will be able to get him to have that hot motor running 100% of the time. And if he's able to do that, I think he can be a near all-pro type of talent. It's just a matter of can you get that out of him consistently, not only over the short term, but over the long term as well. Some people said that about Julius Peppers at times, and I thought that they were insane. But um, my last question for you, I'm going to turn the mic back over to Cody, is that each and every year I look at the draft and uh, everybody has it set. I won't say set in stone. Is to me... It seems like people got it pretty well figured out this year from their perspective. And then every year, something bizarre happens. Whether four wide receivers go in the top 10 when no one saw them going in the top 10, any receivers going in the top 10. I think that was two years ago, the John Ross draft. What do you, do you have any sense of what is the one kind of weird thing that you're kind of worried about that could throw the monkey wrench in, in y'all's predictions? Well, that's a really good question. I honestly don't have any crazy predictions that could happen. Uh, maybe like a Daniel Jones. I think he's starting to catch steam. Maybe he could end up going in the top 10. I think that's something that could throw a wrench in everything. And the Giants at six has been a common comparison or common match 
for him that's really starting to pick up steam here lately. And maybe we're going to see a bunch of trades in the top 10. The New York Jets at number three overall definitely could be something that throws a wrench into something else. And maybe the Raiders taking Drew Locke fourth Mm -hmm. overall. Maybe that's another area that could throw a wrench in everything. And maybe they've been smoke screening about supporting Derek Carr as their franchise quarterback all along. So with that, I mean, it happens every year. You guys, we saw it last year. Nobody knew that Baker Mayfield was going to be the number one overall selection until about an hour before the draft. When those rumors started to come out, everyone thought that Sam Darnold or Josh Allen was going to be the pick. And I'm sure there's something crazy that's going to be that's going to happen leading up to the draft. But that's what makes the NFL draft so fun. So, Jordan, we've kind of been teasing this. You know, I've been pounding the table on this podcast for a long time. We've been we've we've made uh, some fun with how the president used the term build that wall. And we're we're saying build that wall around Cam Newton. And listen, color me tickled if the Panthers draft Jonah Williams at 16. Uh, for my money, he's the best tackle in the draft. Uh, short arms be damned. I feel he'll be a, a 10-year left tackle prospect, in my opinion. Um, I would love Andre Dillard. But the reason why I've had the recent change of heart is because I thought about the second round. And there's another question I want to ask you about the second round in a minute. But, you know, I, I started to think about it, and I thought about the drop-off for the, from the edge position from rounds one to two, where, you know, you'll have guys in the second round like Ben Bonogu and Charles O'Menehu that might be there. In my opinion, that seems like a steeper drop-off than a Yadne Kajust from West Virginia or even like a Caleb McGarry out of Washington or Bobby Evans. Do, do you feel that that it's, you know, the all the premium pass rushers are going to be selected, you know, in the first round and that the drop-off from there is a lot steeper than it is at the offensive tackle position? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I 100% agree with the case that you just made. And that's why I think they may go pass rusher at 16 and then wait to get a guy like, I think Caleb McGarry would be a fantastic selection. Yeah. With their second over round, second round pick. Uh, so if you're able to get Burns and then follow that up with McGarry, I think that would be a great start to the Panthers draft. And I think you're absolutely hundred percent spot on as far as the drop off from the first round of the first tier of edge rushers to that second tier. And I think the Panthers will be in range to get maybe Brian Burns. And I think Cleveland Farrell will be there for the taking. And I think their philosophy with Clemson players is really going to be put to the test because they've never drafted one in the history of the team, which is a stat that I found really interesting. So, and I think Cleveland Farrell would be a great fit for them. Even if they want to trade back a couple spots, I think they would be able to get him still uh, because I don't think any teams really behind them in those next few selections really need an edge rusher besides the Giants right after them, but I think they're probably going to end up taking an edge rusher at six overall, but just staying on topic with your question and your assessment, I think you're 100% spot on as far as your drop-off from edge rushers uh, com- as compared to offensive tackles. I mean, listen, I don't know if you can see the Clemson championship banner behind my head, but if they, <laughs> if they draft and include them feral, man, I would be one happy camper. I'm higher on him than most. I know a lot of people are trying to knock him because of his bend and he's not so flexible in his hips and his ankles. But for my money, you know, he he's so powerful and he has such a plethora of other moves to be able to win on the inside and collapse the pocket with his strength. I'm higher on Farrell than most. And yes, I might be a little bit biased uh, in, in that in, in that assessment. 
But another thing I wanted to bring up with you is that the, the rumor mill has been going crazy about Carolina and how much uh, time they're investing in these quarterbacks. And Joe Person used to be the writer for the Charlotte Observer. He has now gone to The Athletic. Um, Tony, I don't know if you can pull this up, but recently he went on a local radio show. And here, he I'll play the, let me play the clip right here. Here it goes. Okay, right go, ahead. go ahead. And, you know, and, and I didn't, you know, I didn't come up with that kind of willy-nilly. I mean, listen, I, I was at the Senior Bowl where, where I spoke with Will Greer. I was at the Combine where the Panthers spoke with Will Greer. I have read, I have reported about the Panthers uh, going up to the Pro Day in Morgan, Morgantown. But it isn't just Will. I, you know, I, I feel like they're kind of starting to zero in on Greer and also Jarrett Stidham. I, you know, I, I, I happen to think that Greer is the more polished guy. I think he is ready to step in if need be. And, and let's face it, he might, you know, whoever the Panthers draft, or if they don't draft anyone, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke might be asked to step in, uh, you know, as needed. We don't know what Cam Newton's going to be like. I have heard what Cam Newton has said on his video blog. I have heard what Ron Rivera has said, but I don't think anybody knows for sure coming off his second uh, shoulder surgery in the last three off season. And that is why I ended up, you know, uh, uh, mocking Will Greer to the Panthers. I just think it, it just, it just feels like, there is a lot of momentum in that direction this year. It may not happen. Look, I've been wrong before, but, but I, you know, it's been. All right. That's the clip, Cody. So, uh, so Jordan, uh, pardon my French, but that makes my ass itch. I cannot even <laughs> tell you how much of that makes me so angry to the core of my soul. No, obviously I'm biased. I'm a, I'm a very big Cam Newton fan. I'm a diehard Panthers fan, diehard Cam Newton fan. But my mindset is, if you want to take a quarterback, fine. In my mind, Tyree Jackson is the perfect backup for Cam Newton. But if you're going to spend, in my mind, a premium second-round draft pick, which is what you use to uh, inject your football team with youth and talent, if you do that instead of trying to put more, more talent on this football team, in, in my mind, that is a travesty to Cam Newton, who has been putting this offense on his back for a lot of years now in Carolina. So one, I want to ask you, do you think that would be a good pick for the Panthers? And I promise I won't bite your head off if you do think <laughs> that's a good idea. Um, and also your evaluation of those quarterbacks mentioned, both Greer and Stidham, um, do you think they would be worth that pick and would that be a bad decision for the Panthers? Oh, so I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit and trying to okay. play on both sides of the fence with this, and I'm going to give a fair assessment of both sides. So sure. I'm completely with you with my opinion, and I agree with you. I'm a huge fan of Cam Newton. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and I think there's a huge misconception out there about them because they don't accept what exactly he is. Cam Newton's never going to be a guy, or I won't say never, hardly ever going to be a guy that, reaches that 60% completion percentage threshold just because he's been like that since he was at Auburn. He's not going to be the most accurate guy in the world because he always uses his arm to overcompensate uh, for his lack thereof of accuracy, what I should say. It's never going to be pinpoint or anything like that. But, I mean, guys that of that stature just aren't supposed to have an arm that strong and be able to move as well as he does. And right. he's never had a go-to wide receiver. And that's something that has always – 
that I've always hated for Cam Newton. He's never had an Antonio Brown or an A.J. Green or anything like that. But he's had all these young guys that he's always had to work with. Besides Steve Smith uh, during his earlier years, he's never had that go-to guy that he could just always go to in crunch time or just in the open field when they were in that situation. But on the flip side of that, he's coming off his second shoulder surgery. And then maybe they may be thinking that he's one injury away from his body being broken down. And they kind of want to protect themselves from that. So maybe that's why they're doing so much homework on these quarterbacks now with Will Greer. I'm not a huge fan of him, but if you take him in the third round, I think that is decent value for him. But I think a lot of people are, or I think he's going to end up being overdrafted just because of how top heavy this quarterback class is. You're probably going to see four guys go in the first round. And I think Will Greer might be able to sneak into that second round just because of the lack of supply of, of quarterbacks. So he's going to be a guy that does benefit from that but he reminds me a lot of case keenum uh i think his playing style is very similar to that he's not going to be the most accurate guy in the world but he's going to bring a lot of thrill to his game he's gonna he's gonna make you raise up out of your seat in a positive and in a negative manner so that basically sums up will greer now with jared stidham i think he has a long way to go and i wouldn't touch him before the fourth round in my opinion just because he has the one trait that really scares me about quarterbacks because i mean he just melts against pressure and that's just something that you really can't teach to quarterbacks because I think that's just a God-given trait to them, whether you're good against pressure or if you're bad against pressure. I just don't think that's something you can come back from, and that's just what you worry about with Jared Stidham. Let's kind of go through a quick uh, rapid fire of some of the people that the Panthers have met with and just give us your initial just kind of quick perspective on them. Let's start with uh, Greg. Is it Greg Little? I think he met with the Panthers, pretty sure. Yeah, and, yeah. Greg I mean, Little, offensive tackle, Ole Miss. They've met with him at the Combine, the Pro Day, private workouts, and they've had a visit. I'd be interested to hear your take on Greg, because I've been kind of lower on him than most. I think a lot of people kind of are, but go ahead. I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say. I think he's more of a developmental guy, and I think the big media guys are a bit higher on him and a bit more comfortable taking him higher than what I would be. And I know some guys have labeled him as a first or second round guy. I had him as a mid third round guy, and I just see him as more of a developmental guy just because I think he has a ways to go as far as his strength. And his hand usage, I think that's where he really lacks right now. And he's only played left tackle in his career. He's been a 30-plus game starter. He has the genes and the mental makeup that you're looking for at the position. His dad was a former uh, early-round selection, so he has that DNA that you're looking for. But I just think he has a ways to go, and he has some development to do in order to be counted on as a starter. But if you're using him as your backup swing tackle early on in his career, I think he'll be just fine. But Counting on him to start a long duration of games, I think that would be doing him a disservice, especially early on in his career. All right, how about Lonnie Johnson Jr., cornerback of Kentucky? They've met with him a couple of times. Yeah, and he's a guy that's caught a lot of steam here lately, and he's very handsy, loves to get his hands on the opposition. A tough, in-your-face, nasty type of corner, old-school throwback guy. Uh, that is very competitive he's a professional trash talker that's what i like to call it and i got a chance to talk to him down at the senior bowl and he exuberates that confidence that you love to see now he does have a ways to go as far as his hips and his athleticism he performed okay at the combine i thought he was going to run a little bit faster than what he did but his straight line speed isn't great so 
it kind of worries you a bit when he does get beat down the field just because he doesn't have that makeup speed that you would like to see of a guy like a Dante Jackson, for a prime example, a guy that I loved coming out last year. I knew he was going to be fantastic. So he would kind of go against what the Panthers have drafted in the past as far as the body and the makeup that they have had. But I could understand why they take him maybe in the second round. So, Jordan, you and I are both really high on, on, on a specific safety in this class. And if you didn't know, I, I'm the Panthers analyst at drafttech.com. We do mock drafts, and I write comments for the first and second round pick. And uh, one of the guys that I have us taking um, this mock draft is Juan Thornhill. And I think that you and I are in agreement. Um, I, I love everything about Juan, everything from his athleticism to his ball hawking. Um, to all of his stats and, and what he was able to do in his time at Virginia. Even the position versatility, the guy played corner at Virginia. I mean, he's just an incredible talent. One, do you think it's possible that he does slip into the first round? And, uh, you know, how do you think that fit would be for Carolina, putting Eric Reed in the box as more of a, almost like another linebacker type protecting the run? And do you think Thornhill – could potentially play, uh, play that single high free safety for the Panthers. Yeah, I think he definitely could do that. And I think he would be one of the better fits in this draft class of anyone for the Panthers because he feels a huge need at free safety. And they don't have anybody right now that really can play that. Eric Reed, outside of that, I don't really trust in any of their safeties. And I know they spent a third-round pick on Rashad Golden last year. And I just don't think he can be that one high guy that can stand on the roof and just be what I like to call a traffic patroller. And yeah. that's exactly what Ron, Juan Thornhill brings to the table. He has that sideline to sideline range and he can be a mistake eraser on the back end of the defense. And we've seen how many mistakes that the Panthers defense or secondary has made uh, going back to last year. The past defense wasn't that great for a multitude of reasons. So Juan Thornhill is a guy that could be that that accuracy eraser or a mistake eraser, I should say, on the back end of their defense that cures up a lot of mistakes on the back end of that defense. And he's not just limited to being a free safety. He's come down to play linebacker, strong safety, nickel, and even cornerback, like you mentioned. So he feels a lot of – or he wears a lot of hats on the defense to now where they could exchange some guys on the back end of their defense too. And Dante Jackson and James Bradbury, and the list goes on and on of these guys that they could interchange at multiple positions if you're able to secure Juan Thornton. So, Jordan, this will, um, and again, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Uh, you know, we definitely value your insight, and we're happy that you were able to come on and uh, and and join us tonight and talk about these these different prospects. I know it's been kind of rapid fire, so we definitely appreciate you. But um, one of the the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and this really kind of took me back. Apparently, Greer Williams who for my money, and I don't know what, what you believe, I think Gary Williams is the best corner in this entire draft. Um, you know, I know a lot of other people say Byron Murphy, um, and I, I like Byron as well, but I feel that Greedy's ability to man up a receiver is second to none in this draft, and I think that goes a longer way in today's NFL. But Greer Williams hasn't met with any teams in this draft class, he hasn't gone on any official visits. He hasn't, um, I mean, he's had no private workouts at all. Do you think there's a possibility that he might slide? And why do you think that this is happening to him? 
Yeah, and that's something that was really mystifying to me, and it's not it's something I've really never heard of from any other prospect because even if you have questions about a guy and his off-the-field issues or just want to work him out again, you're going to bring him into the building. But with Greedy, nobody brought him in for an extra visit, which was really puzzling to me, and maybe they just think his off-the-field resume is clean enough or they have enough information on him to feel as if they didn't need to bring him in again. But it's a situation where you usually would see maybe one or two teams try to bring him in, but having no team bring him in at all, something is just not right with that. I don't know if it was an agent issue or if he just shut out all these teams or something else behind the scenes is going on, but we'll find out on draft day if he does suffer a slide, especially if he doesn't go in the first round. So where is he projected at? Uh, top 20 right oh, now. Wow. And I think, I how think is that run... top 20 prospect not get a visit? That's yeah, the most that's bizarre said, thing ever. It's, it's very, that's why I said it's very puzzling to me. Okay. All right. Well, look, Jordan, I know that we, we asked you to come on for like 20 minutes and we, we just kept you going and going and going. We appreciate, <laughs> uh, the, the insight that you've given us, um, your host of the draft board podcast. They can follow you on Twitter at J Reed NFL. Tell us also just so the people listening, because we got a lot of people in North Carolina that would love to support that foundation. Um, how can they get a hold of your draft guide? So you can find it on cover1.net. And like I said, it is $10 and your $10 go to charity. Uh, all the proceeds from this project will be going to the Raleigh Rise Against Hunger Foundation located in Raleigh, North Carolina. And it's a great cause because you're fighting poverty stricken homes and also trying to end hunger, not only here in the United States, but also internationally as well. They have offices in Uruguay, Hungary, uh, the Philippines, just to name a couple a couple locations. Uh, but with the draft guide, you can also find it at the top of my Twitter page. It is the pinned tweet at the top, and that's at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. Just the download link. It'll take you directly to everything that you need to do to sign up to, in order to obtain it. Man, fantastic stuff. Thanks for coming on C3 Podcast, man. And uh, maybe we can catch up with you after the draft and hear your thoughts. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. All yeah, right, thanks, Jordan. All right, Cody, man, great, 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 great get right there. And uh, Jordan Reed really breaking down a lot of, you know, so many names out there. I mean, if you just look at all the meetings that the Panthers have had right now, I would say, though, looking at this list just from Walter Football where they're tracking the meetings, I've looked at these lists in the past. Now, I haven't done any statistical analysis of this list in comparison to the past, but boy, is this sucker defensive tackle and offensive tackle. I mean, offensive lineman, defensive lineman heavy. It is yeah, man. super heavy. There is, I was sitting there going, I'm going to meet. Let, let me say this. They have marks uh, about all the play. They've marked all the players that the Panthers have met with multiple times. And let me read you the names, and it's insane. Bobby Evans, he's an offensive tackle. Um, let's see, the Greer guy, they've met with him a couple of times. Greg Little, offensive tackle. And let me see, Montez Sweat, Clayton Thorson. Uh, it seems like Debo Samuel. So some of the guys that they are multiple times, I don't think this is probably a fair list because they're local guys and I think they don't count towards their list as much but I'm it really looks like they are strongly targeting you don't see a ton of linebackers up here 
You don't see, no. I see a ton of running backs up here. I mean, you don't even see a ton of wide receivers that I think are all that serious of prospects. Um, but a ton, they are really interested in putting some horses in the stables when it comes to those yeah. uh, those trenches. I mean, Titus Howard, Eric McCoy, who I'm a huge fan of, Caleb McGarry, Darnell Savage, Draymond Jones. I mean, there's a lot of people they've had coming in. And now Cody Ford, who, strong name, by the way. But I really like Cody Ford because he played right tackle for Oklahoma, but he's also played left guard for Oklahoma. And he's one of the better picks in this draft. And he's someone that we haven't talked about enough. Um, Cody Ford is a mauler. If you hear that name at 16, that is not a bad pick. Uh, if you don't know that name, uh, you have my my uh, stamp of approval on demand. I, I think that he is an incredible player. But um, I kind of want to touch on, you know, the 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 name of our show tonight. And I mentioned it with Jordan. And, you know, I know I've been pounding the table uh, for Build That Wall. And, of course, Tony, I want to hear your opinion on this too. But I do feel like the drop-off on from the defensive ends, from the day one guys to the day two guys, is is a lot steeper than it is at the offensive tackle position. In fact, there's a lot of players um, in the second and third round, or they're projected in the second and third round. I think they would be able to come in and, and be contributors here right away. Yadni Kajuse out of West Virginia is a player. Uh, he's a left tackle. I've been very high on him for a long time. And I feel he'd be a day one starter in Carolina. And I have not seen one mock draft that has him going in the first round. Whereas if you look at the the, the defensive ends, you know, the gap between Cleveland Farrell and Rashawn Gary, then to guys like Charles O'Menohue and Ben Bonogu and Chase Winovich, it's a much steeper fall off. And I, I feel that as far as position value, is concerned we might be able to kill two birds with one stone getting a starting defensive lineman and a starting offensive lineman. But I feel in order to uh, have the premium talent, 16 probably should be the defensive end position, either Cleveland Farrell or or Brian Burns. And that's just kind of where I'm at now. I'd love it if it was an offensive lineman too. But I feel that for the – for the value of the position, uh, edge rusher might be the better, the better pick right now. Cody and Virginia is here uh, joining the show. Um, we get a little, we can hear the show slightly in a slight little reverb, so you might need to turn it down just the speaker down a hair. But my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the mic over to Cody and Virginia right after I answer Cody's questions about this, about the offensive lineman, defensive lineman. Ultimately, I don't think this is that you're gonna get a starter. Uh, you're guaranteed to get a starter even at 16 at either of those positions. Is that maybe they will be a starter at some point in the season? Maybe they will be a big contributor at some point in the season. But we've seen some really top tier players maybe even later when it comes to offensive linemen in the later half of the first round that that really don't come on till the end of the season or next season so for me cody is unless you're in love with the guy at 16 i wouldn't mind the panthers moving back in the first four or five spots still getting a guy that is reasonably at the edge there and then picking up maybe being able to swoop in 
early in the second round. Move up in the second round and get your guy. Because I tell you this, is that when you start talking about the drop-off from these players and that players, what we're really talking about in the end of the day is development. And it's and we know that this staff is not always interested in putting a lot of pressure on these guys. I think that this is all we have to talk about right now with the draft. So you expect every guy to be a starter. So you could draft a guy at 16, like a Brian Burns, and all of a sudden he's not really playing as much as you expect throughout the season um, just off the bat. So that's kind of where I feel like I would really like to see them commit to the guys early, and maybe that means moving up in the second, getting the guy that you want instead of settling, and maybe getting two higher-end prospects than one guy and then hoping you get a guy in the third. But generally, guards do translate better in the third. Those are third-rounders, and you can get some real value there. All right, Cody in Virginia, joining the C3 Panthers podcast. What do you want to talk about first? Because right now there have been rumors of the Panthers moving up to third. I think that that has been uh, overblown rumor speculation. We've got uh, Joe Person uh, mocking Brian Burns to the Carolina Panthers in the first and even getting a quarterback in the second. Where are you sitting at just two weeks away from the NFL draft? <clears throat> I'll tell you, if we trade up to the third, I'll be pissed. Um, <clears throat> I Personally, I just I think the value for what we're looking for is going to be there at 16, and we would lose way too much to trade up to third. So first and foremost, I'd like to be able to throw that out of the out of the equation if we possibly can. I feel like when you trade up to like when you do something that aggressive, you got to feel you're real close. Kind of like yeah. what the Saints did last year. They felt they were close. They sacrificed a lot. I don't know if the Panthers are close enough or should be gambling that heavy just yet. Particularly yeah, and, when you don't know about Cam's shoulder. Yeah, yeah. well, and to, to if I'm going to jump in for a sec, another one of the reasons why I, I changed my, my stance on offensive tackle in the first round to defensive end in the first round is because, let's face it, we kind of know what the Panthers want to do next year. They signed Daryl Williams. More than likely, if we're, if we're all betting men, they intend to put Daryl Williams at right tackle and Taylor Moten at left tackle. So if we know this, then essentially what? You're trying to find someone to replace Van Roten, and maybe you can do that in the second round with Chris Lindstrom. It, it just seems like the way that they've set things up and knowing how you know Ron Rivera will stick with a, a player like a Minnesota Tolu forever and a day, far longer than he should have, it, it kind of makes me think that whether you love Daryl Williams or hate him, they're going to play him at right tackle, and they're not just not going to let Taylor Moten play after the years he had last year, so they're going to put him at left. You know, you can find a guard in the later rounds uh, to fill in that left guard position. So that's another reason why I feel that defensive end position might be the pick. And if they wanted to trade up for a Josh Allen, then maybe that's their motivating factors for that but the the point like i i guess trading up i think you lose a lot of value certainly because you have to i mean you're going to have to give up something a you ton. don't get a ton yeah you, i mean and it's going to, to to the third spot i mean i don't know if you guys have seen the value that uh they give like i know they have some sort of 
numeric value they give each pick. You know, obviously the first is ridiculous and it starts to go deteriorate as far as the actual physical value of the the, the draft picks. Yeah. We wouldn't have to probably give up our first. Obviously, we have to give up the first in the first round, give up the second, and possibly even give up a 20, 20 draft pick. You yeah, know? like a first round draft pick. Yeah. Like, it is insane if you want to try to move into the top five. And then ultimately, who would even that guy be? Really? Are you guys that sold that Bosa is going to be the next legendary player? I'm not. Yes. I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, there's too many busts. You know why? With with what? And I I think a good point. And and Tony, you asked me this, you know, in your initial question about, the, the possibility of trading down or trading up or just maintaining at 16. I love the idea of trading down. I would love the idea of trading down if the Raiders would be willing to give us our, you know, their two later round draft picks, you know? Yeah. That way, you know, and Cody, you talked about it with the draft, with the defensive end, there's a lot of defensive talent and there's a big difference between first round talent and second round talent. And if we can get multiple defensive picks for the first round later in the first round we miss that plateau hopefully and we can actually get a lot of value in the first round with the defense and we can focus on getting that depth in the offensive line and possibly draft a quarterback which i'm not an idea you know i'm not ideal on but we'll see yeah i mean i i definitely i understand that mindset um you know it, it doesn't it doesn't not make sense um you know i'm just of the mindset that you know, again, I don't want to be one of those nerds that's pushing my glasses up my face. Well, I watch a ton of film, and let me tell you about blah, blah, blah. But listen, man, I, I, there are only a few players being talked about in the top five. It's Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, which we're not drafting Kyler Murray, um, Nick Bosa, or Quinnen Williams. And honestly, Quinnen, Quinnen Williams – for my money, is the biggest game-wrecking defensive tackle I have ever scouted coming out of college. And I mean that. I mean, I'm not saying that he will be the next um, – um, I'm blanking the guy from um, the Rams. Aaron Donald. Uh, Aaron Donald. I'm not saying that he's going to be the next Aaron Donald, but when you compare their size and their college tape, uh, Quentin Williams had better college film than even Aaron Donald. Now, could these players bust? Absolutely. It happens all the time. But imagine a premier pass rusher like a Nick Bosa, like a Quentin Williams. I promise you, I absolutely promise you, the amount of potential that these guys have, we have not had that in any of our defensive linemen for the past five years. I'm telling you, man. These guys are for real. There's no way too much. I mean, is in fact, look at the the Saints had to give away mortgage to farm to move up to 11 last year, you know? So to move from now, maybe because you have a 16 pick, I, I right now is that I would hope somebody is trying to move from 22 to 16. If that is the case, if you can move back to 22 and you're really talking about maybe Burns was at 16 uh, and maybe Farrell's still sitting there. Um, possibly that those something's going to happen 
where you could do that. The question is the the other teams got to want to trade, right? You can't just every, I mean, I'm sure every team wants to trade back every year, but the other teams got to be able to give up what is necessary to do it. All right, um, one one more issue, and then we need to move to the cat calls, I think, unless you guys got something on your mind. Is I don't know if we talked about it last week, but did we was was Chris Hogan a no, Carolina Panther? Okay, oh, so yeah. the Panthers uh, go and add uh, pad the receiver room with a thirty one year old wide receiver. Spent a lot of time. He spent time in New England. A taller guy, I believe, played his football at Monmouth. And I think got a late start in football because he was a lacrosse player initially at another school and then went into football. Chris Hogan, what does he add to this team? And I'll start with Cody and from C3 and then turn it over to Cody in Virginia. So I know he was uh, right now the adding of Chris Hogan. He's probably the best slot receiver on our team right now. And if you consider that with the exiting of Devin Funches, that means to me that there's probably going to be more opportunities for Curtis Samuel on the outside, playing the outside receiver. So then if you figure, okay, we have Jarius Wright on the roster. You know, Wright has been a good player. But um, he's he's not Chris Hogan. He's very flexible. Um, You know, he's not going to blow you away in in, any measurement, you know, top-end speed. But – he knows how to get open. He reminds me of Hunter Renfro from Mike Clemson Tigers and who's in this year's draft. You know, he doesn't excel in any one thing over the other, but he's a value player. Isn't he, he knows tall, how to, though? Um, I don't know that he's overly he's tall. tall, man. I think um, he is. Here, go, go, keep going. Legacy likes him. She says, oh, he's, no, he's only 6'1". He's only 6'1". Yeah, I mean, so listen, I'm not um, – uh, I, I'm not mad at that at that signing. Um, I think that's a, um, that's a good pickup for us. It's an unexpected one. I didn't necessarily see that coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, he does a good job separating. Uh, that's what you want in your receivers, especially from the slot. Um, I, I do like that pick a lot. Go ahead, Cody. Yeah, I uh. I was surprised by it, obviously. I don't think anybody would have <clears throat> picked the Panthers for his landing spot. Um, and he's dirt cheap. Uh, you know, when you look at the the wide receiver market, and I mean you, you understand why that is. I mean, it it's it's because he's he's always been a really I mean, even in New England when he won the the you know the two t- championships, he was a puzzle piece to their team. He wasn't you know that anybody could have been in that position and done a very good job, um, and just because it's it's New England, but I think he does bring uh, a. I mean, he, his his route running is probably more polished than most anybody on our on our squad outside of Christian McCaffrey, um, and so I think that will be something that he adds a tremendous amount of value to. It does both. I mean, you look at our wide receiver room; it's 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 got a lot of names on there. Somebody's not making it out of the people. I mean, you have DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, you have Tory Smith, Jarius Wright. You now you have Chris Hogan. Those are the five number ones. Right. And so, I mean, when you think about that, what comes to your mind as a, as a, as a, you know, is who's not going to make the cut. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, You have this is that you're really, 
Um, you know, they you typically are going to field five wide receivers on a squad if you feel really good about them, six if you've got some questions, and uh, seven if you have no idea what the hell you're doing. Um, we've always been wondering if the Panthers, every year we're talking about a bubble guy, a bubble guy at that wide receiver getting edged out. What I like about this move and what I think that this signals actually is this is that the Panthers are going to be putting a lot on DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and that the three guys behind them in many ways, and I don't know if that's the best way to describe it because you run three receiver sets, but look, Jarris Wright was a good player for us last year. Mm-hmm. He's 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 um, known He's, he's very comfortable with Norv Turner. Norv Turner was very comfortable with him. He says he can teach the the system. On top of that, you've got Torrey Smith, who I know everybody hates him, but it's a veteran guy. What I like about the the Hogan, the Smith, Torrey Smith, and Jarris right behind them is if any problems happen when it comes to health and durability with either DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, or something's not working out, that you have guys that have, hey, look, they might not be the best in the world, but they've been there before. So instead of trying to reach way, way deep into the well with a young kid that hasn't done this, is you're not saying that Chris Hogan is going to just burn people. But, hey, if you got to put him out as a starter for a game or two, you know that he's competent enough to where you don't – there's just competence there. So Joe, He's not going to lose the game for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Joe Riolano in the house. Joey, that freaking Puerto Rican, welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast, your podcast, brother. How are you, my friend? Maybe he's not in the house. Joe's missing in action. We also have, is Josh from Mass there? Uh, he. So, Josh, try on your PC. He's trying to do it on his phone. He says it's not working for okay. him. Okay, okay. So go back now this as we went to our two wait, Joe. No Joe. All right. Cody and Virginia, you said this is that these guys, where do you think that these moves? I am trying to see this is what are they signaling for the Panthers? Not just going into the draft, but signaling what they think about the guys they got. To be honest, I I couldn't even tell you. I mean, uh, if if you would have started the off season and you had a list of predictions, I don't think you would have said any of the things that have occurred with the Panthers would have occurred at the beginning of the. And it's in a good way, right? I mean, no way we were going to go out and sign another wide receiver when we just let Funchess go. No way we were going to get a a high dollar you know center because we had no cap space. No way are we going to be shopping on the defensive end market. You know, all of these things kind of add up. And now, you know, three of those things come to fruition. Now you take into account Daryl Williams and Kyle Love. I'm telling you, Herney is making a a very hard decision if we don't have a winning season this this uh, this year. If he but, doesn't do something bizarre in the draft, is that right now, I don't know how you can say anything bad about Herney. But we also said last year, on paper, Herney had done a great job. And then we got old quick. So is that I do. I think that Herney has, has hit a home run. I, or, you know what? Maybe he hasn't hit a home run. What he's done is this. Is he has been up there. He's got, he's four for five with a double, uh, two singles, 
a couple RBIs, right? Is is that this is a quietly great offseason for the Carolina Panthers who had limited funds. Cody, where do you think and Joey if you can chime in if you can hear us and you can't see and you can't see us, but Cody it's C three Cody, what do you yeah. think the signals are as we now pad a little bit with uh in these later stages of free agency? Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I've I've mentioned this before, but I genuinely do feel um, that right now we're we're doing our best to um, to put players on this team that allows us to go best player available in the draft. The draft is incredibly important. I mean, I I really I cannot um, you know emphasize that enough, man. This is how you build for the future. And draft time, it's important for the GMs and the scouts to really be able to show their stuff, to be able to show that they're um, that they're doing the right things, to to be able to set up for their future. Um, and all of this seems to me like, you know, I mean, we've been talking about offensive linemen and defensive linemen, and based on the official visits, I do think that's who you know that's what the pick is going to end up being. Um, but, you know, if there's a player that they're in love with, um, you know, if they meet with someone else, if they do meet with a, a Greedy Williams or a Devin White or even a, a, a DK Metcalf that I know a lot of people would be upset if we drafted. But, you know, they, they want to put themselves to be in a position where if they love a player at the 16th pick, that they don't have to pass on him in order to bolster our pass rush, in order – to bolster the offensive line. Um, I feel that's what they'll probably end up doing. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm in favor of that. But um, yeah, it really is an attempt to put us in the position where there is no hole so great on the roster that we have to reach for a player that we might not necessarily be in love with. We were so there, too, just a month ago. We were so there yeah. at three different spots, I feel like. So kudos to that. Look, we're going to go ahead as as we try to figure out, as these guys try to figure out their connection issues. Let's go ahead and move on to the C3 cat calls, right? The number's 252-228-5098. Let's see what the fans got to say about these changes that are occurring as we're leading into the draft. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, my name's Nick, aka Seven Slot Crawlers on YouTube. Uh, always been a New England fan for you know. As long as I've been alive, I grew up in Mass, you know, probably about 15 minutes away from Josh from Mass. He introduced me to the Panthers last year and, you know, fell in love ever since. Found out that we just signed Chris Hogan, and I am so happy and so excited. Things that he did last year on the Patriots was, was ridiculous. You know, just, I'm super happy to be to have him on the team. So, just want to say that I uh, love you guys. You guys put out an awesome show. I listen to you guys every Wednesday. My apprentice at work absolutely hates it because he can't stand football, and if he did like football, he'd definitely be a Patriots fan. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, keep on the guess. All right, man. Thanks for that call. Look, a little insight on Chris Hogan up there in New England. I again, I, I think that this is not a flashy move, but what you're talking about here is putting some depth there, veteran depth, but guys too that I don't think are challenging to what we know we have in Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, and that's exciting. Joe Riolano, I think you can hear me. We can hear you. He can't. What is going on? Where are you, Joe? He looks so good. He looks so good in his picture, too. His old high school. Look, at he went to the prom this weekend. Joe Riolano with the old... Rico Suave mustache there. Yeah, looking like a young Desi Arnaz, man. <laughs> All right, so here we'll keep going. The number is 252-228-5098. C3, what up, what up? What's good? It's your boy, Switch. I know I haven't called in since, like, the season, but you know I'm still tuning in every week to y'all, guys. Y'all keep doing what y'all do. Um, I really wanted to just call in and talk about something that I wanted to call in last week to speak about, um, which kind of been a little topic this offseason, which is uh, Garden, like what to do with Garden, what is Garden play, yada, yada, yada. And um, I think that everybody is making too much of a big deal. Like, I think it's super simple what you do with him, actually. Um, first off, we definitely do need a ball hawking free safety. That's no question. And Garden has a role in the secondary. It's just not at free safety. Just need somebody with a little more range. So it's like, what do you do with Garden? It's simple. You play him at nickel. Like, we drafted him out of Tennessee as a nickel. Everything that you've seen at Tennessee that we liked was him playing nickel. See, and I don't think that's a hard decision. It's like, we need a nickel. I I don't think that's, I don't think that's super tough. Like, I think sometimes the Panthers get too enamored with, like, all the versatility and everything, and they want to take guys and do this and do that, when it's like just put them in positions to do what you drafted them for. I think that's one of the problems that we have with Shaq. Like they brought him in to be this super versatile Swiss Army knife, and like like they didn't even get a chance to like to really do that. Not the snaps isn't only an issue, but they made him bulk up and add weight to be a true linebacker when it's like you should have just let him get on the field and ball. Like, let him do what you saw him do. Let him do exactly what you drafted him for. And, you know, going into his fifth year, we still have questions about Shaq. And I think Garden's a valuable piece. I'm not really trying to go through another Shaq situation with Garden. I think he has a role for us. I think it's at nickel. I think he comes in, plays nickel. I think he... I think if you give him a chance to compete, he'll win it, and I think he'll play it at a pretty high level. He'll come in, he'll be there, and he'll be close to the line for one support. Um, the slot isn't always operated by small, shifty guys. You know, Michael Thomas operates a lot out of the slot. Adam Thielen operates a lot out of the slot. I think that, you know, more receivers are going there, and I think Garland will be able to handle that. But, you know, these are just my thoughts, and, I mean, I'm just a Panthers fan, so. I don't know. Dude, yeah, I, I think this is anyway, a fantastic call. To, uh, love, this is, this is the call of the night right here. Man, what a great call there because you're sitting yeah, there. You call. see uh, one of the guys that those are the names right there that have been bugging us for years now, for years now going back to Shaq and how we're going to do this. We thought it was Thomas Davis. We'll find out this year 
sad that you have to wait five years to figure out with the first round pick. But Golden here, you invest pretty much in the third round pick. Um, there is a role. There is an opening there. No Captain Munnerlin. The question is, is that it seems like at this point that the Panthers have not gone and made any moves at that spot in free agency. It's hard to think that in the draft they're going to put that type of responsibility on a rookie and invest that high uh, there. So there's the there's a great signal right now is that Corn Elder and Golden seemingly are lining up to compete for that nickel position. Cody, C3, Cody, what do you think about that take? So, yeah, not only that, but I think Ron Rivera agrees with them. I, I remember last year in a press conference, uh, Ron Rivera said that he likes – uh, the idea of Rashawn Golden as our big nickel going forward. Um, and I do think that probably is uh, where he's going to make his living. And, you know, he makes a great point uh, in, in talking about how many dynamic players line up from the slot. Uh, Adam Thielen, Amendola, I mean, Jarvis Landry, a lot of these players, um, that, that's where they burn you. They burn you from that slot position. And more importantly, a lot of offenses are manufacturing yards from that slot receiver position. So if you have a ball hawk right there, that's a little bit of a linebacker, a little bit of a safety, a little bit of a corner, kind of a jack of all trades. I mean, that's a valuable piece to have on the defense. That's something that we had for a little while earlier in Captain Munnerlin's career and probably what we wanted Captain to be these past few seasons, but it just never panned out. So I, I agree with the caller. Um, I do think that's where his uh, his position in the future will be. And um, I also agree with Nirvash, um, you know, the that uh, Corn Elder, that's, um, you know, that's uh, probably going to be a battle going into the spring. And if Corn Elder loses, that will be roasted corn. Yep, that's a bad <laughs> joke. That's a dad joke from Nervosh. <laughs> Roasted corn. Thank you, Nervosh. And, and Trill One pointing out uh, that we also have, well, they, they're just pointing that back that Ross Cockrell's still on the roster. And I do think we have Joe Riolano back. Joe, you there? You do. Holy I am there. cow. He is the man <laughs> of mystery. You look great in 19, what is that, 1987, Joe? 1992. 92. I'm, I dated you too far back. You're looking good there. Hey, man. Um, Joe, right now, because we've been trying to move through the podcast, we've had a guest on. We've talked draft. We've talked Kyle Love. We've talked Joe Person. Just what's on your heart and mind when it comes to Carolina Panthers right now? Um, I guess really the thing I'm most uh, intrigued with is the draft, of course. Um, hearing different pundits and analysts tell us who uh, who was rocking just guessing it's um the world's greatest uh work of the draw basically yeah. um but yeah I, i'm i'm you know i'm excited about that i i still love the opinion we gotta go offensive lineman first um and then, you know, work on the defensive line. So, uh, I guess that's where I'm at. Uh, free agency. We got a second round of free agency coming up here after the draft, too, don't we? 
yeah, is you got to wonder too what you know maybe roster c- cuts are going to be met, continue to be made, and and the stories aren't completely over. Is in in one of those, to me, it continues to be Shaq Thompson getting paid nine million dollars this year. I mean, we're going to learn a little bit about what the team wants to see from him. You know, do they work out a deal that that keeps him around for? three years i don't know is that right now i'm just a little surprised they haven't done anything already and that to me signals that they're unsure of what they really want to do you think well i mean why i mean uh, how many uh, you guys think about this is uh and i'll let you all just chime in is how many rookies make it to their fifth year option I don't know. Is that what? What do we do with KK in the fifth year like that? We're we're working on a deal there. I don't feel like mm-hmm. we have gotten any signals that that is even really a high priority at this point. To me, the sense that I'm getting is it's just let the season play out, and we'll see what we're at there. And that's kind of saddening to me when it comes to a guy uh, that you had such high hopes for. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm of the mindset that um, you know when you have high hopes for a player, it, it correlates to where you draft them and what your uh, salary cap is. Um, and I'm also interested to hear uh, Cody from Virginia's take on this. But um, there, it really is unfortunate that we have had so many players that we drafted recently that either aren't on the team anymore or we're still waiting to see something from that have been high-level draft picks. Shaq Thompson. Uh, think of Vernon Butler. Think about how two of Cam Newton's number one receiving options the past four years, both Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, first and second round picks in their own right, are no longer on the team anymore. And a lot of that is David Gettleman, yes. Um, but the fact of the matter is, we have not gotten a lot of bang for a buck uh, with our first and second round picks outside of Christian McCaffrey. And and Curtis Samuel and now hopefully DJ Moore and Dante Jackson, but we definitely have to. You have to hit those premium picks. There's nothing more important when drafting your first and second round picks. Ideally, should be players that are going to be in your starting lineup by the time the next season rolls around. And I'm hoping that we're able to, uh, um, you know, do that again this season. Um. With what you're talking about with Shaq, I mean, it, to to come to his defense to some degree, mm-hmm. I think they drafted him in an effort to replace Thomas Davis, and Thomas Davis never needed replacement until this year. So yeah. I think you found yourself in a situation where we don't know what we have with Shaq because Shaq really hasn't been able to show us except for with limited playing time. I know he got a little bit more last year. I think he had some injuries was- too last year. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just don't think that we've – I think they want to give him one full year of being the guy. Now, that depends upon what happens in the draft and if maybe uh, some of these uh, second-year players we drafted last year are going to step up to the plate and maybe provide a little bit more uh, competition for that spot. Uh, but <clears throat> I, I, here's the thing. Depending upon how training camp goes, I could see a situation where he's not on the roster after cuts. You know, Whoa. so you you think they would they would cut Shaq Thompson outright? I mean, it, depending upon what we get with those second years, 
you know, we have, a, <clears throat> we had a lot of good, good uh, film to go off of with, with the, <sighs> I can't even remember their names. Jermaine I, you know, Carter. The, the guy from, what is it? Jermaine Carter, I think. is one. Yeah, Carter. I mean, I, I, I think you have, I think you have some, some potential there and we'll see what happens in the, in the training camp. But you know, I could see a situation where they decide to get rid of Shaq and, and move forward with what they have, or even get rid of Shaq to bring upon Bruce Irving's value in a three, four, you know, I, I think you could see some things going on like that. I, once again, it just, it depends upon what their game plan is this year. I would like to see him get another shot to prove that he's a good player and he was worth that first round draft pick. My gut well, is this, is that if the Panthers, if you don't see the Panthers come out and extend him to a three-year deal after the draft to kind of manipulate cat room, that then that this is, we're going to play this season out and more than likely we will be parting ways after your fifth year with the team. Yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. Um, uh, this is what I'll say, though. With Thomas Davis having been on the team, uh, he is not there anymore. So, you know, we, we've said, you know, last year in training camp, Shaq was saying he was seeing the number 54 everywhere. This is the year of 54. Well, no, last year was not the year of 54. This year. It better be. Because like we said, don't have any depth, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you don't have Shaq, all of a sudden the, the room goes from being a, a okay to like, oh crap! Imagine well, if Keekly gets hurt. It's over. We have we have depth, but none of them are proven. I mean, mm-hmm. none of them, none of them are proven to, to be worth a damn. They're all and, young. Yeah, they're all young. Now maybe they end up becoming great players. We don't know. But right now, Shaq Thompson is a veteran in this Panthers locker room. And it's important to emphasize that he has been on this team for uh, ever since 2015. When we went to the Super Bowl, he's been here a long time. If he is going to be the heir apparent to Thomas Davis, then he has to be that this year. If not, I mean, let him walk and, and and move on from, from that contract. But uh, this is the make or break year for Jack Thompson more than, more than even last year when we were wanting him to blow up. This is a a very important year for him. Yeah, and one where he could, and and the good news, if the Panthers do, I mean, in which I expect them, I expect them for him to be on the team is this, is that, boy, you get a lot out of a guy who's trying to make some money. Yeah. (laughs) You know, even if you've decided this isn't the place he's going to make the money, at least we got the year that you were playing for the contract. Right. All right. Let's keep going with this. We'll go through with the next cat call. Let's see where we're at. Hey, good evening, Panther Paul Tass. What's up, G? This is the world famous G Cavassier. Hey, I've been looking at Twitter and watching TV and looking at Facebook, and it's coming to my (laughs) coming to my attention that uh, apparently the left tackle from Alabama, who I really, really want, I have a feeling he is not going to be there at sixteen. Now, a lot of people, I mean, people have us taking Clinton Farrell out of Clemson, which I would be happy with that. But another person I won't mind us having is, you know his name, Montez Sweat. That dude is a freak of nature, man. And let me ask you guys a question. Do you believe his stock, his draft stock would drop due to his heart condition? 
I believe we can take him because y'all remember when we picked up, you know, Star Latulale years ago, he had a heart condition, you know. And another name that keeps coming up, they're saying the Panthers should draft, is this gentleman by the name of um, Brian Burns. You know, his uh, stats through college are amazing. He has some amazing stats when it comes to tackles and sacks, and he could be a good defensive end. And they said since we're so-called going to be maneuvering with the 3-4 defense, he could play outside linebacker standing up. So I don't know. Even though I really would like a left tackle to protect, you know, Cam Newton, because I keep hearing that, you know, people are saying that, you know, Tyler Moulton's going to play left tackle. Now, he's a good football player, and I believe he was playing left tackle when we played Baltimore, I believe, last season. He did okay, but would you really put him at left tackle? You know, since Daryl Williams is back and, you know, he's going to play the right side or whatever. And we got Trey Turner over there. You know, we got the dude from Denver playing um, center. And like I told you guys before, a couple of weeks back, who is going to play the left guard position? Because the left guard that we have, the dude, he's okay, but he's not that good. But then again, this could be a breakout season for him. So what do you guys think? You know, because I have a feeling we're going to go defensive in our first pick, even though I would like a left tackle, you know. I think we could pick up another left tackle come second round maybe. I don't know. And all this trading up, Panthers trading up or trading down, I don't see that crap happen. I really don't because it always bit us in the ass, you know, from Jeff Ota <laughs> to Everett Brown, and I'm not even going to go down the line. Y'all y'all remember the damn years. But if it came to a defensive end, I would like Montez Sweat. I really do. He has a nonstop motor. So give me give me you guys' opinion on Montez Sweat and Clinton Farrell or that dude Brian Burns. If you was on the clock, who would you take? Well, it was three defensive ends. Who would you take? All right, um, go ahead and answer that. I'm gonna t- uh, each person say the name of the guy that they would take. Go ahead. We'll start with Cody in Virginia because uh, Cody Lashney is over there trying to get his mess together because he's he's just seeing hearts and stars and kiss emojis everywhere. I'm about to faint. <laughs> um, it's hard to come up with one name. I mean, you have so much. But you got so those three. You got those three. You got Sweat, Burns, or Farrell. The question the is: the question is basically, who's your draft crush at this point in the ball game? You know, who's your who's your dream pick for the Panthers? I'd, I'd say Sweat. I don't. I have a feeling that he's not going to be a Panther. He does. I just don't got a point about it. But if I had to choose, I would say Sweat. All right, Cody Lashney. I mean, man, at, at this point, you know, I, I, I kind of think the guy that we previewed tonight, but if I if I had to pick, if a gun's pointing to my head, it's either him or Andre Dillard. It's the last two people that we previewed on this show. Um, as far as uh, Brian Burns is concerned, I do not think the Panthers have ever had a defensive end as athletic as Brian Burns. I mean, except this guy for can... except for. But hold, but hold on though. Okay, Julius, Julius Peppers. Peppers. Julius Peppers. Right. There is no. But I don't care how athletic. I don't care if he ran a dang running like Usain Bolt. Or no, whatever. you're right. But 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 I need to differentiate what I'm talking about. When you're talking about an edge rusher, you're talking about their their ability to to bend around the edge. So, for example, I, I heard Chris Collinsworth. 
say this about Von Miller, that Von Miller can run full speed underneath the table. Okay, that's ideally what you want your defensive end to be able to do. And I feel like Julius Peppers, he was so powerful and massive. And they, I mean, once he put his hands on you, you were done, man. That's Julius Peppers. But I feel from a speed rusher perspective, we probably haven't had anyone as fast and as agile as Brian Burns. He might not be the overall athletic prospect that Peppers was, but from a, a speed rush, uh, speed rusher position, Brian Burns uh, is Joey, Joey, Joey. Cody, yeah, sure. Cody is showing his that he is. He's not that young. He's not as young as he looks younger than he is, to be honest. That's a good trait, Cody, to have. Well, thank you very much. But we saw Julius. We saw him dunking basketballs, bro. We saw him smashing alley oops. No, no trap. No, what? I don't want to know even what this is called. What is it? I am not blast- taking this away is Julius from Peppers Julius. blasphemy on the podcast. I am Julius. not taking away from Julius Peppers. I promise you that. Joey, I don't that. care if uh, you can crab walk under a burning table. You're not more <laughs> athletic than Julius Peppers. Joey, here you got Montez Sweat, Brian Burns, or Cleveland Farrell. Or one of the offensive linemen. Yeah, I, I think I'm becoming um, the offensive tackle from Florida. Um, oh, Jawan James? Taylor. Jawan Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right, Mike. All right, so let's. I do want to get to two points on um, G. Cavassier's question, right? And that is um, one is uh, let's go back to Sweat real quick. Cody, what is is that the when Sweat ran that four two or whatever he ran four three? Four four. Yeah, his draft stock went like it just exploded. It was like popping like popcorn. Yeah, he's Um, insane. But I I gotta say, and, and this is just me from distance, kind of just watching the headlines go by. It seems yeah. like you add the heart thing in. I don't think anybody has been overly crazy about the heart condition making him slip to like the six or something. You know what I'm saying? Something stupid. But what's the? It does seem like slightly that the that that the the forty time has lost some of its uh, uh, allure a little bit, its luster some. It just seems like the talk has cooled a little bit on him. Not soured, just not focused as much on him as uh, continuing to climb. Yeah, and this is something that I mentioned, um, I believe, on the last show. One of the things that I noticed when evaluating Montez Sweat is that he wins in certain ways. He wins with power, and he wins with length. So, by the way, Montez Sweat has um, an 83-inch wingspan. I mean, right. I don't know. I, I don't know if, if you uh, you know understand how that correlates. No, I'm but probably not even 83 inches tall. That's the wingspan of like a seven-foot person. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not 83 inches so, tall. <laughs> so, so listen, you're talking about you're talking about ability for them to put their hands into the chest of the offensive tackle before they even have the opportunity to touch you. Okay, so that that is something special with Montez. But the, my problem with him on film is that when he didn't beat you with a bull rush, 
And when he wasn't able to disengage with that length, he didn't have a plan after that. There were too many times I saw him um, get caught up on an offensive tackle, even Jonah Williams. And everyone's pegging Jonah Williams for having short arms. And Jonah Williams pretty much had his way with Montez Sweat. So uh, you, you have to understand that if you do draft him, and that's not a bad pick for us, but if you do draft him, you have to understand that there's a level of, of, of raw, untapped potential with him that the coaches are going to have to bring out of him. So he might not be as dominant from day one as you want him to be. That's my only criticism of Sweat. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on that call before we move on? All right. There it is. Y'all, C3, it's your boy, Nova Black. What's up, Cody? Nova Black. What's up, Tony? What's happening, everybody? How you guys doing? What's up, tonight? my man? He's in the I chat room. calling in. You know, um, I haven't really been uh, calling in and stuff like that. Um, you know, I work for myself, driving these trucks. I'm, I'm usually busy. I'm usually uh, asleep by the time you guys jump off with the show. Sometimes I catch <laughs> y'all for a while. Sometimes I don't. But I'm excited, you know, uh, for the upcoming draft. I do intend to attend the draft party at BOA. Um, how about that signing of Chris Hogan? I like that. You know, I like that move. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, these AAF, uh, those guys signed to the 90-man roster. I don't really think any of those guys really going to make the team. But, hey, it's going to be interesting. And I got a question for you guys. How would you feel about uh, if the Panthers took a tackle at 16, then turn right back around and uh, in the second round and grab another tackle? I mean, since we're building that wall, um, I was looking at some of the highlights, you know, and some of the game film and stuff like that. Um, from the last couple years, and honestly, um, when you look at the offensive line play, even in the highlights alone, Cam Newton is basically literally uh, got less than three, three point five seconds to throw the ball without an offensive lineman being in his lap or having to run for his life. Um, because you know, Matt Khalil or somebody on the left side blew. Anyway, what you got? All right, cut out there. But, hey, you know, I wouldn't be mad at it. Anyways, uh, hopefully uh, I'll make the show tonight. Uh, I'll be in the chat room and YouTube, you know, with the guys kicking it or whatnot. Uh, Anyways, everybody, uh, keep pounding. All right, that's Nova Black. He is in the chat room right now. I think this is – well, let's start with his direct comment, and I got one follow-up there, is uh, the Panthers – you know, that sounds like a it, – it almost it sounds a little bit like what the Cowboys did five years ago where they just said, you know what, we let Jerry Jones screw with all this for too long. We're just going to draft only offensive linemen for like three years in a row, double dipping. Now, you have to believe this is that Daryl Williams is on a one-year deal. You don't have a long-term plan in place. So it's not insane – to add two offensive linemen in this draft. It's not. No. Right? Particularly with the aging Paradis uh, needing it help at guard. Um, so, how do you feel about a double dip offensive tackle? Cody and Virginia, we'll start with you. It's great in theory. Um, 
But when I look at it, I think that the benefit of having a guy like Taylor Moten is that he provides depth all across the line. Um, and I'm not sure how much more depth we would need. If we draft a, a tackle in the first round and then turn right around and draft another tackle, <clears throat> I mean, the, the I guess the only benefit that I could really see by, you know, doing that and taking that, because, I mean, the second draft pick is still a pretty important pick. Yeah, I mean, we got the starting, you know, pick, got, hopefully. Yeah, we got Dante Jackson last year. I mean, so what you're essentially saying is we're going to give up uh, a second round pick for a backup. Because, I mean, that's pretty much what you're going to get is a backup because we're going to have Darrell Williams on one side and we're going to have the first round tackle on the other. So getting a third one is really going to mean somebody who's going to be there for rotational purposes or in certain circumstances, such as run, if it's a guaranteed run situation, third and one or something like that, maybe they rotate the offensive linemen out depending upon their run blocking, pass blocking abilities. But I, I think it would be a, a bit too much to go with another offensive tackle uh, in the second round, maybe later on, but not, not in the second round. Cody. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I clarify something just because I've changed my mind of what I want to do at 16. I still want to build that wall, damn it. we got to protect Cam Newton. That's the most important thing that we have to do next year. Um, I, I would be upset if we um, if we double-dipped at the offensive tackle position, um, it, specifically back-to-back rounds one and two. So what I mean by that is, you know, um, if you want to grab someone in the later rounds, uh, like, like a Truma Idoga out of USC, uh, I'm happy with that. For those first and second round picks, um, I believe should be offensive linemen and defensive linemen back to back in that order. Um, I, I tell you what I could see though. Um, I mean, look at guys like Cody Ford and Chris Lindstrom, guys that could be a, a, a left guard in our scheme, even though I do want us to draft a defensive end. Man, if we took Andre Dillard uh, at, at 16 and then uh, we took Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College, uh, right after that and put him at left guard, that guy is unmovable. I'm telling you, he might be a first-round pick. So I would love that, but I, I do want a, a defensive end early. Joey, no, Joey, am I the only one? I feel like I'm the odd guy that everyone assumes at this point that we're bringing Darrell Williams in to start at right tackle. There's the potential of moving Moten over uh, to left tackle. I kind of wonder if the Panthers can eyeball a guy in the first there that they like, that they may not think is ready for left tackle position, put him at right tackle, Daryl Williams at left guard, right beside Moten. I feel yeah. like Daryl Williams could be, I think Daryl Williams fits the guard position better than Moten does. Joey, do you believe that Daryl Williams' position at right guard is set in stone? Uh, I don't know that it's set in stone. I don't think so. I think he... Uh, I know, first of all, they want to see how he looks getting back from that knee injury. Um, if he has the same like, lateral quickness, then... Uh, um, maybe they keep him at tackle, but if he looks a step slow, it would make sense to drop him inside. Yeah. He's um, a big boy, too. That, yes. Definitely. And I think that 
probably what movement that rattle movement will factor into that decision. And he wasn't known um, for that in the first place, really, either. No. You know, he wasn't, wasn't known for being fast. It wasn't You're the right. worst thing you ever saw, but he was a bigger body out there. He was a right tackle. That's what I would yeah. say is this, is there won't no thought that that mug was going to play left tackle in two years, in my mind. Yeah, I didn't, William? Dar- yeah, Daryl Williams. I didn't see that. I didn't see that step yeah, coming out did. quick enough to play on the left side. Now, maybe the game's changing a little bit, and then that's not the same. But, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at there is that I don't I don't think just because we signed Daryl Williams to the one-year deal means that we have it in the mind that he's lockstep right tackle only. Um, I think that a really good line could be Taylor Moten, Daryl Williams, Paradis, Trey Turner, and then a top round. Top Man, if you put a, t- a 16 or even like if you moved up in the second and you put a rookie at right tackle, that's where a rookie probably wants to learn at. Probably well, easier to learn on the right side than the left. And look, how about the guy that Joe likes, Jawan Taylor? Uh, you know, he, he is a right tackle. That's where he plays. He plays at the right tackle position. And I'm glad that Joe mentioned him is, is because uh, it, that's the guy that kind of got me on this uh, train of thought about thinking which we should do at at, uh, at pick 16. And a lot of people are like, well, Taylor Moten's a right tackle. Daryl Williams is a right tackle. Now, if you drafted Jawan Taylor, you're going to have a bunch of right tackles and no one that's a true left tackle. I but think from, that T- Daryl Williams is truly a guard. I think he could I mean, be a great guard, right? Is that I, he I, could I, be a good tackle, but I think he could be a kick-ass guard. And now he's got that injury. Boy, I yeah. think it would work. And the, the, the point I wanted to make was that if you take Jawan Taylor, who is probably the best right tackle, maybe the best tackle prospect in the whole draft, and if you put him at right tackle – Think how many of the most dominant pass rushers line up against that right tackle. Vaughn Miller, Bosa, Khalil Mack, a lot of them. Demarcus Lawrence, they're all going up against that right tackle. So you put Jawan Taylor there, and man, that, that's a badass player. I would love that pick for us. Kind of sounds good when you say it. Moten, Williams, Paradis, Turner. Yeah. That sounds good. I'm the, I, it look, does. Hey, it look, does. look, I'm a draft nerd. I'm a draft nerd. All right, last <laughs> uh, last uh, call for the C3 podcast for tonight. You can bring you can bring into the show by next week. The number is 252-228-5098. Let's see what we got here. Hey guys, uh, just wanted to call in. This is Jordan. Uh, I've called in a couple of weeks, so the Jordan. I, I, I need to call in. Uh, I just wanted to rant a little bit. Um, and I hate do to, it. to do this, but do uh, looking at the Cam Newton, um, the Chris Hogan um, <clears throat> signing, a lot of the comments uh, were very positive. But every once in a while, you have those guys who are like, oh, but who's going to throw to him? Cam Newton can't hit him, and oh, we need a new quarterback. God. And we ignore those I realized people. it took me a while to realize that. They're all muted. I realized a lot of those guys are just trolls. And I don't know if you guys have been on the internet as long as I have. I've been on the internet as long as it's in its infancy stage. And the one thing that's always been around are trolls. And the one 
rule is not to feed the trolls. And I feel like I'm feeding the trolls a little bit right now by ranting right now. But I just wanted to tell those guys to ice up. Uh, they never come up with anything good. They always say, oh, he always overthrows his receivers. Oh, he's, he, he's not accurate, which he may not be Tom Brady, but he's well enough accurate to be an NFL quarterback. If you wanted to criticize Cam Newton, I would say that he doesn't go through his progressions well. And that's a, that's accurate in uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? That's Fair. a good critique of where Cam Newton's game is in year eight. But all this other BS, it just uh, it pisses me off. But like I said, don't feed the trolls, guys. They're going to be there. Uh, keep pounding. <laughs> Have a good day. All right. Yeah, is that there really is no room for Cam Newton slander on this podcast. And to the point of where we really, and you can call us homers and this and that, but I, you know, Cody said it earlier in the show where he doesn't want to hear the the talk about drafting a quarterback in the second round. I don't either because this is that I think if you're drafting a quarterback in the second round, again, you're putting Band-Aids on problems and you're not really just going after it. Now, if if there is a super true concern that, that, that really that Cam's progress isn't coming that would be a bold and gutsy move but ultimately i don't want to imagine a time where we don't have cam newton like that's just how i am at this point it's like i want to win with cam newton not without him like i want cam host hoisting the trophy let me ask you can i ask you a question tony sure please if we draft a quarterback in the second round does that mean we don't re-sign cam because technically He's got one more year left after this year. To me, it would, would it imply a little bit that you're worried more than you you you're certainly. It seems to be that if you're if you're drafting them that high, yeah. that you're signaling that the concerns are really real. It's not like drafting a Dobbs in the fourth. Where you're like, we're padding it for the future. We could develop the guy in case Cam Newton goes down or we can't afford Cam going down. I think when you, it, I, I don't know. I just, every time I think of a quarterback in a second, all I think of is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins and damn that RG3 shit. And like how just cancerous the whole damn thing was. And I don't think, I think the good news is this, is that I don't care if you drafted a quarterback in the first rounds, is that like Cam Newton could walk up there and like just pull out as you know what and be like, this is my house. So I don't yeah. really worry about that like being a threat. But I do, I mean, what does it truly signal? Because getting a quarterback in the second is not going to, like just say this, just say Cam's not ready. Say that if things don't go well and Cam is not ready in the first six games, you're just really signaling that you don't believe he will be ready if you go that high, I think. I think that's that's what the implication is, is that you're more worried than less. You made, the in my mind, the best point right there. The Panthers need to tell us something. Cam Newton, if it's that bad, himself probably should tell us something. But that's not what he's been telling us. So if you use a premium pick 
And that, that, like I already established, the your waste. Second, it's a waste. Your, your first and second round picks are players that are going to make your team better for the coming NFL season. If you draft a player in the second round that you hope never sees the field, yes, that is the definition of a wasted pick. And then you're sending mixed signals to your fan base. Do they believe that Cam Newton is the long-term quarterback of the Carolina Panthers? Uh, You know, what what do they – does Ron Rivera feel that he's a better coach than Cam Newton is a quarterback? I'll tell you, right now, he sure as hell isn't. I mean, it it honestly makes my blood boil that when you have this talented of a player at this important of a window in his career, you're going to waste a draft pick like that. I'm kind of of the position, Cody, that it would just be better to tank. Like at that point, like then to give a second round pickup right now and hope that you're another seven and nine team in three years or whatever. What I'm saying is this, is that if Cam Newton ain't right, there ain't going to be no rookie that's going to help us next year or the year after. So you might as well, if Cam Newton ain't right, lose all the damn games like Indianapolis did. And then think about like, hey, well, maybe in the last year of his contract, Cam Newton will be right and we'll have a ton of people. Or you could say this, we're trading Cam. I'm not saying those words, but that we're going to get a, we're going to get a top quarterback and move on. Even though I swear I will. I'm, I almost feel like we should just close the podcast when that day happens. Sorry. Dude, God, dude, I'm so sad. I just want to make myself clear. I will be absolutely, pardon my French, I'm going I'm to drop an F-bomb. I will be absolutely fucking furious if the Panthers spend a second round pick on a quarterback. I will be livid. I will be absolutely livid. I think Joe coined the term uh, is Cody feeling the hern or is Cody herny or, or whatnot? I don't know. <laughs> Cody so herny. If that happens, I will want to enter into the octagon and beat Marty Herney's ass. Is what I want to do. If they oh, wow. quarterback, I agree. In the set. I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you, Joe. Do, are we are we taking this too far? Um. I, I don't think that there will be a quarterback draft in the second round. It's not to say we won't get one. I just don't think in the second round. I don't care how enamored with this quarterback Kearney is. We have way too many holes that we need filled on this roster to be looking at a, a high wasted pick at quarterback. Because that's what it would be in essence, a wasted pick. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, here is your last moment to say anything because if not, I think it's time to. I, I, we've been through everything. I think it's time to ice the mugs up and get on out of here. So let's do it. Speak now or forever hold your peace. All right. Here we go. Let me see. I think I got some excuse for us. Close the Trump face. This is, this is so beautiful. All right. Uh, okay. So. I'm going to go first because I don't know if you guys are ready or not. 
Mine, I had, and this is the problem, is I, I follow so much stuff, is I had like three really good ones that I had been accumulating all over the week, and I could not figure what notepad I sent them that saved them <laughs> and all this. Uh, but luckily and fortunately, a good old Trump supporter came, no offense, Trump supporters, came through today and uh in wake county north carolina here's the headline north carolina substitute teacher tells students martin luther king killed himself and uh so this lady so this lady who was supposed to be substituting from music class with the complicated lesson plan of playing a movie uh Decided to go off script as the class acted up for um, a substitute teacher. Like every high school class in the history of the world acted up for a substitute teacher. So the lady goes on to say that ultimately she she made a couple comments that were a little bizarre. One is that um, if you uh, true Christians or supporters of Donald Trump, now look, is that I believe there are true Christians that are supporters of Donald Trump. I don't, you know, I'm sure I'm not questioning that. I just think that it is a little bizarre to think that people who don't support him are can't be. The other was then she then singled out a couple of black kids who were wearing sports apparel and said that that gear that that gear was going to get them put in prison time at some point. <laughs> And uh, last followed up with this is that uh, conspiracy theory. Martin Luther King was not assassinated, but really killed himself in an effort to promote, I don't know what, but good God. This is, Cody, we we argued a little bit with a guy on the internet this week about net neutrality. And I argued about about him with him the week before about John and you did very well I might add thank you but the the John McCain thing and uh, what I ultimately found is this and look have I been guilty of this in my life I probably have is that people believe crap without any evidence and then when the evidence is contrary to their evidence is presented to them they have a unique way of completely disregarding it so Lady, God bless you. Um, Martin Luther King, rest in peace. I don't, it doesn't seem like when the 27 people saw him get assassinated and then the guy admitted to doing it, that that's the conspiracy that we're trying to enlist when 40 years later, 50 years later. So to you, lady of Wake County, ice up. All right, moving on. Who's Who wants the mic next? Cody, do you have an ISO pick for us tonight, man? Yeah, I mean, I can I can throw one together. Yeah, yeah, man, go Let's ahead. What you got? Um, in 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 today's age, obviously, we find ourselves in a position of when we when we see something that we want to document ourselves being a part of, we take selfies all the time. Oh, you know what I'm about to say, Tony? I think so. Sad. Oh, I haven't heard. I haven't heard this. So it's not just one story. This thing continues. I mean, there's a long list of issues that occur from these selfies. Um, They could be very mundane problems, such as, you know, maybe falling down and hurting themselves just by a scrape or something like that. 
But where this gets to be a bit overkill is the amount of people we've already talked about it. You guys ice up somebody who just got mauled by a animal at a zoo because yeah. they were selfieing. Yeah. Trying to get a good picture. Was it a tiger and, or a lion? What was it, Cody? You remember? It was a it was a, a, a leopard. Yeah. But well, I, I I think it was a it was a black leopard. It's a, which by the way, all panthers a panther. are, are leopards. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So I yeah. Oh. But my I I, I guess t- before I tell the story, it, it, the, the lesson to be learned is that we should live in the moment without feeling like we have to document a dangerous situation. Like, look what I did. You know what I mean? Live in that moment. Me- remember it for yourselves, not as a way to showcase what you've done for everyone else. Enjoy it for yourself. And I know that's hard to do, but there are so many people out there. There's a girl who went up to the Ozarks with her college with a, a group of people from her college. She was uh, 20, 20 years old, 19 years old, and had a, her life ahead of her. She was a triple major. She was a volleyball uh, star at her college. All of this goes up to the Ozarks, tries to take a selfie on a cliff, and loses her footing, falls 100 feet, and dies. And wow. I don't mean to say these things in poor taste uh, by any stretch, but when a picture to document a memory is more important than the safety of yourself for your family, for your future. That's, that's important enough to say I sup son, in my opinion. It just happened again. I saw on good morning America, either this morning or yesterday, a girl at Fordham university breaks into a tower in New York city. That's like overlooking Brooklyn or something like this. And it's no, and it's completely off limits. And in the process of her pro- documenting all this on Instagram, fell through the stair. There's a hole in the stairs and fell like 100 feet to their, her death, 40 feet or something like this. So it is a it is the era of the, of the picture, man. And it is, man, how many people you see getting car wrecks doing that every day, stuff like that. All right, Cody. Mm-hmm. Co- Joey, you got one? Um, actually, mine was the bell tower one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Out of all the things. <laughs> anybody, um, anybody else on your mind that you want to ice up, Joe? Can I step in and say Aunt Becky? Yeah, go, go for it. Go for it. I say Aunt Becky and this whole Ooh. cheating scandal. These mugs are going to jail. Like, oh man! Yeah, yeah. Wait, that- who? Oh, you mean these losers that paid to get their kids into fucking the biggest schools in the world? <laughs> oh my god, dude! They deserve everything. You already iced them up, but I saw that as it continues to go. Is I think that Laura Loft, whatever the girl from that is, yeah, yeah, is that she got out of that quick? She's like, I'm bailing on this before this whole thing yeah, crashes and burns because. Getting them kids picture it and taking these pictures on the rowing machines and posing. There are kids getting kicked out of school now because they like it is they're not having rotten in. You know, they took So this is funny as a parenting lesson. We're walking into food line today with my kids, and the last time we went to this food line, this poor guy, and I say poor guy, and he's pushing a kid in a cart, got arrested for stealing stuff. Had a little three-year-old kid in the cart, 
and was stuffing like gravy packs and canned food in his pockets and gets arrested oh, right there. Man. So my kids see this. My wife is so distraught about how this kid is going to be scarred by this and all this. So we're walking in and I was telling Michael this morning, we we're talking about how Aunt Becky, because they watched the Fuller House mess on Netflix and all this, is that she could be going to jail for like 18 months to maybe even six to 10 years. And he was like, well, what did they do? It's like they cheated on tests. And then my little baby girl goes, Aunt Becky is in dad's class and cheated on a test. And I was like, so anyway, we're going into food line and I go, lessons, guys, what'd you learn? And they were like, don't steal and don't cheat on tests. <laughs> you got it. All right. Uh, Cody, lastly, what you got for us? Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, listen, it's, it's hard for me to stay away from the political realm. And people get pissed off at me when I do. But I have one that I think uh, might get some, uh, some, some good reviews, maybe some bad. I don't know. Um, you know, back in 2010, when Julian Assange was releasing all the details of the Bush and Cheney administration, everyone loved him. Everyone called him a hero. Everyone said he was doing such a great thing for journalism and for the, for the world at large. But the minute that they do it to the DNC and Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, oh, well, now he's an enemy of the state. Now he's this. Now he's a terrible you know, person. Now everyone's coming after him. Let me tell you, man, it's a very slippery slope. First, it's Assange, but now this is the slope that starts them coming for all journalists when when they're blowing the whistle on stuff that you should know about. So to everyone slandering Julian Assange as some sort of agent of Russia and to everyone applauding uh, him, you know, now being in jail or whatever. That's why I suck, man. I'm telling you, this is how it starts. You know, that's my personal ISO. Maybe it's a little bit too serious, but that's my personal ISO pick. I suck to all those people that are celebrating what's happening to Julian Assange. All right. Um, I thought, look, this is the C3 Panthers podcast. We're going to take you out of here tonight. Now, um, the number is 252-228-5098, where you can catch us every Tuesday night uh, talking about the latest Panthers news and opinions. Call into that cat calls line and leave a message for us. We'll play, we'll play it on the podcast. Additionally, uh, follow us and subscribe on all the major social media outlets at cat underscore chronicles. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks for your patience. Thanks for dealing with all this stuff. Smashing the thumbs up button and participate in the chat room. Next week, we'll be back. We'll be one week closer to the draft. Cody from Virginia, thanks for joining us tonight. All right, Cody Lashney, great as always. And Joe, you look great. I'm so glad to hear your voice again, my friend. Yeah, it was good to be on, guys. I look forward to next week. All right, we'll see you then. And until then, keep pounding. Keep pounding.